Please note that the contents of model mentality are for informational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on model mentality. Hi, I'm Dr. Ali Sharma, a psychiatrist and mental health advocate. And I'm Bridget Malcolm, an international fashion model. And this is Model Mentality. We created this podcast to open up the dialogue about mental health in the fashion industry by exploring the lives of models through the lens of their personal mental health experience. Each episode, we will invite a leading fashion model to sit down to chat, going behind the visual imagery and what you may know of their external life to take a deeper dive into who is actually behind the mask and at the real struggles these models have faced. And in our Let's Get Clinical segment, I'll explore connecting the dots between our guests' personal stories and the larger mental health context. Because at the end of the day, we are all human and our struggles are universal. Hit the subscribe button on the podcast and tell all your friends about model mentality. Please note this podcast is strictly for educational purposes only, and please consult your own provider for any mental health issues you may be facing. And now for part two with Bridget Malcolm. Try and get my pajama shorts out of it. There we go. Hi. (laughs) Hi, Bridget. It's so nice to see you as always. Lovely to see you too. <laughs> uh, good. Well, look, I, I wanted to check in because I know we have just dropped your, um, your episode, which we recorded in 2019. So just to get an update, because a lot has changed since then, I wanted our listeners to know a couple of things about you. And I know we've talked about things that we can uh, discuss. But the first thing, let's just start with the big question, how are you really? Love that question. Um, Yeah, I'm really, really okay. I think for the first time in my life, I actually feel the best I've felt ever. And it's not that it's like I'm particularly overly happy because there is so much going on in the world that makes that a bit tricky. But it's more that I feel at peace within myself for the first time. Um, And I can honestly say I've never felt that before. Um, So what do you think got you there? Because I don't think a lot of people are feeling that way. And it's so nice to hear you know, where you're at, what contributed to you getting to that place? I think the, because there's such chaos, obviously, right now with COVID, I, um, you know, my job completely shut down and I was forced to spend a lot of time on my own in isolation. And it kind of forced me to answer a lot of questions about myself and dive deep in a way that I've never really been able to do before, because I've always been distracted by my life. You know, I would kind of get a level of peace and then I'd have to go off and do a bunch of jobs, which is awesome, work is great. But I never really got the chance to just settle down with myself and like try and figure out why I was the way I was. So, I mean, I did a lot of therapy during this time, um, a lot of meditation. I was in touch with my friends nearly constantly. Um, Yeah, I guess it's just simplifying, you know, taking away all the distractions and all the things that kind of allowed me to separate myself from myself and just sat with myself, got really comfortable with it. Um, I'm glad it's over. (laughs) (laughs) 
Right. Because can, being confronted with yourself can also be, you know, very challenging from an emotional standpoint. Yeah. Look, there were some really challenging times for sure. Um, you know, but weirdly enough, like once I just, just got used to it and made peace with that, this is going to be my life for a while. It all happened really quickly. And I'm really thankful for that. Although it didn't really, because I feel like it's stuff I've been dealing with since I was like 12. And it was like the final kind of just releasing. Uh, I love hearing that. <laughs> so, so, you know, on your episode, we talked about a lot of things, but I wanted to check in about sobriety and your recovery and premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So since we first recorded that episode, basically since we started working together in 2019, where are you now with both of those things? Yeah, I mean, PMDD, I'll start with that one. Um, it's really chilled out, which isn't what I've noticed for like other women in my community. I'm a part of a Facebook group of a lot of women who have this condition. And it's been really helpful for me just to like normalize the feelings that I would have cyclically because they, they can feel so out of ordinary for me. Like they would come on and I just feel like, oh my God, I'm the only person on the planet who feels this way. And then I would read other women. And I'd be like, oh, okay, no, I'm, I have my people. Um, and so like when COVID hit and there was obviously a huge amount of stress and upset, a lot of women didn't have the same reaction. Like a lot of women's cycles got a lot worse and mine got a lot better. I'm really thankful for that. Um, I really, really am. I, I have my theories about why. Um, perhaps it's the medication I've been on for two years. It's like starting to really just settle in and things are working. Um, therapy I think that's also been very helpful but I think it was just a lot of the things that caused me stress were taken away from my life at that point you know like my job has been such a gift but it is chaotic at the best of times um and having that taken away for a couple months was an amazing gift um it also is an amazing gift to be back at work like I definitely you know I'm very thankful for that but it was wonderful to just like stop and check in. Like I'd never been a, like in one place for that long since I was 16 years old and I'm going to be 29 in two months. Like it's, it's a while. Yeah, um, so it gave you time and space to catch up with yourself, right? Because for some people, the break has been so helpful for others, you know, very different than that. But I think, yeah, it may all be part of the same package as to why the PMDD is better because you've been working on yourself and perhaps, yeah, resolving things. And also, like, I think, you know, obviously, I don't think PNDD can be treated with lifestyle things. Like, I definitely try that. And I think people telling me I should be able to control it by eating well, exercising, taking supplements that delayed me getting on the antidepressant, which I think saved my life. Um, so I, I definitely am not one of those people. But I did have a very regimented day. You know, I meditated, I exercised, I ate really well, I was able to just focus in and I think it did help quite a lot. Yeah, and in your normal life, perhaps, you know, pre-COVID, when you didn't have that break, what does life look like for you? <laughs> Pre-COVID, <laughs> gosh. Um, I never knew where I was going to be the next day. I'm starting to get back into work, and it's already picked up straight up again. I feel my stress levels rising. It's really interesting. Um, I was always either exhausted or overslept. Like, I never felt right like I, I never my life was just in extremes I was always either like working a 14 hour day or off for three weeks and I could never get into a routine or into a rhythm so look moving forward I am trying to like 
integrate that into my life a little bit more, like having a bit more balance and a bit more downtime, I guess. Um, it's not too hard much. though, because it sounds like there is unpredictability in the way your career is structured, but that there is some benefit in the routine that you've been able to have. Yeah. Look, there is a lot of unpredictability and I, I've realized now how much I used to thrive on it when I was 18 and didn't really know any better. But now, like, I'm a grown human. I, I actually want more predictability. So, yeah, I'm looking at working in one place for a longer period of time instead of jumping between countries. And I don't know, I'm just paying attention to what feels right and what doesn't feel right, which is something I've never really had the space to do before. And that's awesome. That's, I guess that's from COVID which is nice. Yeah, okay, and you've answered, my, my next question was going to be how has COVID-19 impacted your mental health? You've sort of answered it, but what else would you like to say about that? I I mean, it's been, yeah, the, the just because I've been so lucky to have, you know, been healthy and surrounded by healthy people and I've been able to be out in the country away from the cities, like I, my experience I know is incredibly privileged. I have been able to just, disconnect and spend time with loved ones i have noticed for the first time in my life like i've become more political more politicized for the first time um which i i didn't didn't think would happen um but i, I think it's important as a young person to pay attention um what do you mean by that you mean you're more involved or like you're more interested in politics or something yeah. else like i've been reading reading a lot more i've been um trying to educate myself as best I can, trying to find nonpartisan news sources, which is really hard. Um, I've been reading like a lot of journals um, and like talking to people whose opinions I trust. Cause like, yeah, just seeing how the healthcare response has been politicized was really eye-opening to me. I, and you know, I'm from Australia where the response wasn't, you know, our coalition was formed of all the government leaders from both sides of the parties and they handled it appropriately. And seeing other countries that haven't done that, didn't do that, um, it's been eye-opening, definitely. Um, so that's been, that's been an unexpected side effect. Um, it's also, I mean, it's made me really thankful for my friends and like my loved ones in my life, you know? I never really, realized how much I just took for granted that always just be around and having this time to be with them as much as I can has been incredible and you know my friends that I've only been able to like FaceTime I'm like wow I really miss you <laughs> yeah so we talked about PMDD so tell me a little bit about sobriety and your recovery where are you with that yeah look everything's going really smoothly I think um you know, I'm a part of a community that has been really helpful. And I think having access to that community all day, every day, if I need it, has been really grounding for me. And I'm not sure I would have made it without them. Um, and could I'm really thankful. Could you tell the listeners, like, when you say community during, you know, COVID, what does that mean? So I'm a part of a 12-step program that's been helpful in keeping me just on track. Um, because, like, you know, there are reasons why I felt the need to drink the way I did. And, you know, you can stop the habit, but unless you stop the like work on the mind's thought patterns that kind of led to that habit, you're kind of not really doing anything. This is my opinion only. Um, and like, for example, in the past, I've definitely quit for long periods of time. Um, but usually whenever I quit, I would then take up, my eating disorder would get worse or my workaholism would get worse. Like it, it I'd never have actually, been in this place now where I'm kind of not addicted to anything and I'm just like at peace it's amazing um and so like during COVID 
this, you know, I, I just had constant contact from people around me who I trust. I think the way COVID may have affected a lot of people is that a lot of people have a lot more free time on their hands now, me included. And so I had to get really like strict with how I chose to fill that time. And like, I'm thankful that I had the support of my community around me so that I could feel it going in being like going deep like getting introspective like reading working on myself you know instead of like turning to old habits that perhaps weren't so good with me you know I've definitely noticed I my body image started to get a little bit off towards the end of quarantine I like because it's just me in a house I suddenly was like oh I'm looking in the mirror a lot and like that started to get a little skew if so I, I mean I just yeah I recognize how like being alone having your daily life disrupted, like how that can affect you negatively and how some people, everyone just kind of turns to different things. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just thankful to have the community that I have to have kept me safe. Yeah, and I think to speak to one of the things you brought up, look, there is a lot of stress and uncertainty in the last six months. And a lot of people, you know, during times of stress, you try to find ways to cope. And some of those coping mechanisms are what we call maladaptive, right? So, you know, alcohol, tobacco, e-cigarettes, um, marijuana, other drugs, perhaps eating, right? And and I think you're right. There probably there is a you know what we're seeing as mental health practi practitioners is there's a surge of those habits, but as a response to stress, but maybe as you say boredom, but probably, you know, just not knowing what's going to happen or people's lives is, have shifted in so many ways. So in any case, I appreciate hearing your perspective, right? Because, well, I mean, definitely the stress, like I, I definitely have had more moments than I've had over the last like four months. So I've kind of been like, I reckon I could just like, just start having like wine again. Like, I think it's fine. And like, I would never have that thought normally, like if I wasn't sitting in a room wondering when the world's going to end. Um, okay, so what's kept you from acting on that, right? Because a lot of people in recovery, yeah, have those thoughts or cravings that come up. So for you, what's been a protective factor or factors? For all of my maladapted coping um, techniques, I, I've always called them coping techniques gone awry. Like, I, um, I always just think it through. So like, you know, say I want to starve myself for the day. I look in the mirror and I'm like, I look fat. I'm like, I should just not eat for the day. Then I'm like, all right, so what does that look like? I don't eat for the day. I don't get my homework done for the day. I don't get my assignment done. I drop all my deadlines that I might have. I can't exercise. I don't sleep well because I never sleep well when I'm hungry. And then the next day I'm just tired and weaker and I get more stressed. And then what happens in a month of that? Oh yeah, I don't really like the way I'm living at that point. I was like, that's how I kind of think it through. So with drinking, I'm like, yeah, probably, I can probably get away with like one or two glasses of wine and call it a night. But then like the next day, it's like, well, what if I do that? And then because it's true, maybe I like double it. And then before I know it, like, who knows what could happen, you know? And like, is it really worth it? And the reality is like, no, it's not. It's always in my best interest to, you know, do habits that are gonna make me feel better tomorrow and not worse. Think well, through. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So think through it, troubleshoot. And what you're saying is like project forward. What would the consequences of this be rather than responding to the impulse? And that's great yeah. that you're able to do that. But I think for those who can't do it, get support, right? And it sounds like you have a supportive community in place where you can really talk about yeah. this. And okay, so now I'm going to ask you the question that you ask all of our guests. 
So if you had 50 million Instagram followers, what would you like to tell them about mental health? Whew, I should really have a good answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that mental health is a journey, not a destination. Um, because, you know, it's not something where you can like level up in a game and then be done. You know, it's something, at least in my experience, it's something that I have to work at every single day. And I'm really thankful to be in a place now where my mental health feels stable. You know, I'm not afraid of anything that might happen, but it took many years of like one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, one step back. Like it's an ongoing journey and you shouldn't judge yourself for that journey. You know, we, we go to the gym for to work out our bodies. Like we need to do the same for our minds. Um, and I think for me, the number one key for my getting better has been to find help. You know, I, I 100% credit all my recoveries to like these older women in my life who have just guided me. <laughs> you know, whenever I've just been like, I don't know what to do, they've just been there for me. And, you know, and also like my friends just, yeah, like mental health isn't something that we should like try and suffer through in an isolated way. It only makes it worse. It's like always better to be with people and talk about it in therapy or yeah and like I fully acknowledge the fact that I feel great right now I'm really lucky I think getting on medication two years ago two and a half years ago saved my life like I got an antidepressant and that's when I finally was able to give myself the mental space to start to for the therapy to actually kind of like get in there and start to work um there's nothing wrong with turning to that if you need it um yeah I think that's it <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much, Bridget, for doing this follow-up interview and listen to Model Mentality episode yeah. five or bonus episode. Um, so stay tuned. You are listening to Model Mentality. Welcome to Let's Get Clinical by Dr. Ali. In this segment, I explore connecting the dots between our guests' personal stories and the larger mental health context. Please note that the contents of Model Mentality are for informational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on Model Mentality. This is Let's Get Clinical by Dr. Ali. You've been listening to part two of my interview with my co-host, Bridget Malcolm. Two things stand out to me from Bridget's story. First, premenstrual dysphoric disorder and how she's feeling better since the period of physical distancing. And second, alcohol recovery and the importance of strong support through sobriety. On the first, with regard to premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD, Bridget is doing even better since I first interviewed her in August of 2019. During the period of sheltering in place, Bridget has felt her PMDD to be more stable in the face of the right medication, a consistent and predictable routine, less stress, and the right clinical supports in place, including a recovery community, all of which leads her to a place where she is possibly feeling the best in her life. But I would say this, coming to this point is not an easy journey given what she's faced and it's because she's prioritized her mental health and is investing time and energy into supporting her vulnerabilities that she's here. At the same time, 
We know that stress reduction is good for both physical and mental health. And for Bridget, no doubt this has had a positive effect on her. I'm mindful, however, that sheltering in place has not had the same effect for so many. On the second, Bridget refers to her community, a virtual 12-step program that's been integral to her continued recovery. For those of you who are in a period of sobriety or contemplating becoming sober, recovery is not just abstaining from alcohol or drugs. It is so much more. It's an entire lifestyle change and a period of healing to support a new equilibrium. A definition I like is, quote, a process of change through which individuals improve their health and wellness, live a self-directed life, and strive to reach their full potential, end quote. This is from SAMHSA in the United States. SAMHSA stands for the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. And that's why, especially in this COVID new normal, staying connected to a virtual community, as Bridget is doing, can go a long way to support sobriety. I'm Dr. Ali Sharma. Thanks for listening to Let's Get Clinical and part two of my interview with Bridget Malcolm. Thanks for listening to Let's Get Clinical by Dr. Ali. Please check our show notes for references and more information on this episode. As always, if you are in crisis or you think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255 to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at a crisis center in your area at any time. If you are located outside of the United States, call your local emergency line immediately. What you have heard on model mentality does not represent what would take place during a psychiatric assessment or an actual therapy session. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Model Mentality. If you like today's content, please subscribe to Model Mentality or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, don't forget to rate and review us. Model Mentality is brought to you by Mind Studios.